Hello, and uh, welcome to Great Commission Church, live from my home in Melbourne, Iowa. This is the, uh, we've done Great Commission Church live feeds for over a year now, uh, but this will be the very first time I've done one face-to-face, so it's kind of a new experience for me, and uh, we'll see how it goes, and uh, hello to all those watching and those that will see this maybe later on. Uh, we have not had a Sunday morning church service for, this will be the third, well, we missed the last two weeks. And the week prior to those two weeks, I almost canceled that one. It was very close. So I have not seen a lot of you in a long time. And um, of course, those that have been coming on Thursday nights, I've been able to see and fellowship with you guys. But it's been it's been a while. So, uh, And we have announcements. I have announcements that I need to go over with all of you. One of them in particular, I'm really excited about. So I just wanted to take this moment and share some of those things with you and get in the Word as well. Um, so we're snowed in. This is my home office. And uh, I don't think my car will be getting out anytime soon. Hello, guys. Hello, churchgoers. Great commission. Good to see you. Mom, I see you there. Hello. <laughs> Daphne, Linda. Um, love you guys. Hope you guys are safe and having a good time wherever you are. But um, first off, I just want to kick off and say, and I've been dying to tell everybody this for the last two weeks, but we just haven't had church, is that, um, and we kind of decided last minute, but we're going to be having Nathan Barble come and share uh, relatively soon. And, and I think uh, I think there's more to come with our relationship with him, and I'm really excited that he's getting to share so soon. He will be here March 28th through the 31st, and uh, I think we're going to just keep our normal uh, week schedule that we do when he's here, is we're going to have Thursday night at 7, Friday night at 7, Saturday night at 7, and then Sunday morning. So Nathan Barbel will be here from Thursday through Sunday. Um, March 28th through the 31st. So we look forward to having him here and we welcome him back. And I know I've appreciated his ministry and I know his ministry has blessed a lot of people at the church. So, so yeah, um, I don't know if I'll call it Transformation Weekend again like I've called it in past. We just might have it as a guest speaker arrangement. And uh, and so word of mouth, let people know if, if, uh, if they enjoyed Nathan, he'll be back uh, really, very soon. It's probably just five weeks away. So Wanted to get that uh, exciting announcement out there, and I know there's some other announcements as well, but we can cover those later. But uh, mark your calendars again, March 28th through the 31st. Nathan Barber will be here. So uh, I wanted to uh, just share a little bit about the nature of faith, and, and faith is one of those cliche, cliche subjects almost in the body of Christ where uh, people's eyes almost gloss over, their ears close because, you know, it's faith. Uh, we've heard about faith. We know what that is. But but um, faith is one of those words like love. Um, it, it's it's used so ubiquitously it loses some power, loses some punch, it loses some, uh, uh, some gusto in its meaning. And um, I kind of want to redefine and split hairs a bit about what faith is because so oftentimes faith is given in the context of or an idea uh, that you know we just hold on to God in spite of whatever it is we're facing, uh, and there is an element of faith that's that's um, requires that you have to. 
no matter what you see, no matter what you're going through, you hold on to God. Uh, but I think it's more than that. Faith is more than just holding on to God and just letting whatever is going to hit you, hit you. Faith doesn't just accept reality as it comes at you and says, well, I'm holding on to God in spite of all this. That's not really faith that I see demonstrated in the scriptures. And, and I don't really care about sensibilities or emotions. I care about what the truth is. And so faith to me, if you're going to define faith, faith is how the Word defines it. And we know that faith is defined by the Word as uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So uh, we don't live by cause and effect like the rest of the world. We're called to walk by faith and not by sight. So it's not really up to us to just kind of live like the world does and let faith be uh, a kind of a reflection of worldly thinking, but faith is a reflection of supernatural thinking. Faith is a reflection of a transformed mind, a transformed intellect, a transformed hope that, that we're following God in spite of everything we see, yes, but we're believing for God's will to be a manifest overtaking the way things are. And what I mean by that is not everything that happens in this life is um, God-inspired, you know. Uh, God plainly says uh, that, you know, in Scripture that the devil is called the God of this world in a way, okay? And there's so much that goes on in this world that God had no part in and God had no authorship in. We're not dealing with His perfect will in a lot of things. We're dealing with His redemptive purposes. He's trying to change things. And if you need any evidence of that, he instructed his entire body to pray. You know, the Lord's Prayer, it's so ubiquitous, it's almost uh, ineffectual. But, but it's, you know, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we play a part in the manifestation. And that's really where I want to split hairs is faith is not just accepting reality as it comes at you and saying, well, no matter what happens, I trust God. No, faith doesn't do that. Faith contends and fights and pushes back and says, no, God's will is going to take manifestation in my life in spite of what I see. Um, so there is an element of faith that holds on to God in the midst of turbulence. But really faith, what I see as defined in scriptures, is faith fights the turbulence and it says God's will is going to supersede, override, and recreate what is happening in my life. And one of the best pictures of this is, I think, is when Jesus gave a word to his disciples, we're going to go to the other side, okay? And, and this is when they were, he told them to get in a boat, we're going to go to the other side, and Jesus fell asleep. And you all know the story, what happened was that when that happened, uh, a storm came up, and I'm sure they were all praying. <laughs> I'm sure they were all clinging on to God. I'm sure they were just hoping against hope that they were going to survive, you know. And so often that's how we uh, correlate what faith is. Well, we're just hoping, you know, we're, we're hanging on to God as we go for this ride. But the faith I see that Jesus describes and, and actually chastises his disciples to walk in is a faith that contends for God's will against the storm, not accept it, against it. And so when the storm came and the winds blew and he woke up in the boat, he says, how come you don't have any faith? In other words, I gave you a word, we're going to go to the other side, and here you are scared to death. How come you're not fighting this, you know? 
And it's not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit, obviously. You know, they have no natural power to calm a storm. But their faith in His Word that they're going to go to the other side should have supplied the strength. And I don't, I don't think that Jesus was just berating them for fun. He was giving them instruction, saying, Look, you could have, you could have fought this in the same way. And then He demonstrated the faith that doesn't just hold on to God. It, he demonstrated the faith that changed circumstances in the place of what they were seeing. On the inside out, he manifested God's will, and he said, peace be still, and that storm had to surrender to what God's will actually was. So if, if Jesus, by the Spirit, instructed that storm to be still, that tells me that wasn't God's will for that storm to come. Does that make sense? <laughs> you know, that storm was not God-authored. Jesus revealed God's will by calming it. And he was trying to get his disciples on the same page. So I want to draw that line and says, yes, hold on to God. But don't just hold on to God and swallow everything that comes your way. Hold on to God and fight for what he says his will is in your life that we have here. And um, go to if you, if you want to follow along, I'm just going to read. But I'm in Hebrews chapter um, chapter 4. Let me see who we've got here. Hello all. Thank you for the comments. I'm trying to be interactive here. I'm getting in preaching mode. I haven't even noticed what everybody's saying. Hello. But um, Hebrews chapter 4. Um, if, you've, if you've read through Hebrews, you know that in the Old Testament, um, it was God's purpose and design for the Israelites to take the promised land. And that first group did not do it, and it plainly tells you why. It's because they didn't have faith in His Word. God can will all He wants. God can inspire, you know, the Word. He can give you everything you need. But if you're not going to be obedient, if you're not going to do your part in, in manifestation of His will, there's nothing He can do about that. And, and this is what happened in the Old Testament, and the writer of Hebrews is giving us a parallel for our life as Christians. And so we'll pick up here, we'll start reading in verse 1, Hebrews 4, 1. Let us therefore fear, okay? And this isn't kind of a phobia fear. This is a reverential fear, a concern, a, a carefulness that, you know, if I've been given a promise of God, it's my duty to, to guard it, to steward it, to, to guard my heart with it, okay? So it's not a phobia fear, but it's a reverential fear. And verse 1, let us therefore fear... Lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. And the rest to them was a physical promised land. But to us, it's a spiritual one. But that spiritual promised land has natural ramifications. You know, I believe healing is part of our spiritual promised land. I believe that, you know, and I, I'm not saying that, that following God is always easy. But, but Paul says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. In other words, as a child of God, you have the right, because of the standing that Jesus gave you, to contend for your needs to be met in the face of difficult circumstances. That's not for greed. That's not for your own, you know, lust, so to speak. But, but if there's a need that you have, you can approach God with boldness and say, I have the standing of Christ, and I know who I am and you, and I'm believing for you to meet my needs in this area, okay? 
So there are promises that he's left us, not a natural promised land. It's not the, the physical nation uh, of, the, of Israel that he's promised us, you know, like they did in the Old Testament. But we have a promised land, and it's the life of Christ made manifest in our life. And in verse 2, it says, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Why? Because God willed it? No, no. Because that was not being mixed, mixed with faith in them that heard it. Okay? And so you can be a believer. You can have acknowledged Jesus at some point. But if you don't actually bow the knee on a continual basis and fight the storms, don't accept the storms, God isn't the author of all those storms, okay? If God was the author of all those storms that come up in our lives, I don't know why Jesus kept curing people, kept healing people, kept raising them from the dead, kept casting storms and devils out. I mean, he went about doing good, healing all those that were oppressed to the devil because God was with him. So there is a redemptive will God is trying to get us on board with. And in order for us to see the manifestation of that will, we need real faith. Not faith that blindly accepts everything we see, but faith that challenges what we see and says, this isn't God's will. I'm here to declare God's will. Okay. In verse 3, it says, For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And you can skip ahead here, and we'll just skip forward to, to what we're trying to get to in verse, um, let's see, we'll start in verse 9. The, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And, and what he's just saying there is, look, the Old Testament wasn't the fulfillment of the rest that was really promised. The Old Testament was type and shadow of, jo of Jesus Christ, okay? And if you've accepted Christ, there's a rest that you have been promised that you're here to receive. And here is the instruction. This is the, the sum total. This is the point he's writing here. And I, I personally believe it was Paul that wrote Hebrews. Okay, But that's not the message today. Verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And we're talking in the New Testament. For he that had entered into his rest has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Now here's this verse 11 that I've been wanting to get to. Let us labor. Let us labor, you know, and, and if you want it to be more, you could say work. Let's work. The works of the law. No, that's not the works of the law. The law has passed away. Okay. But the work, the labor, what is the work and labor that we have to do in order to enter into this rest? Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man shall fall after the same example of unbelief. So, we don't want to fall after the same example. What's the same example of unbelief he's talking about in Hebrews? It's the example of unbelief that though the promised land was given to them and God had everything prepared for them to take it at that time, they did not take it. And they did not take it because they didn't have faith in who he was and what he said. And we have promises that have been given us in Christ. And it's it requires a faith to take the land, okay? It's not just to stare off into the promised land and kind of uh, look at it and say, oh, wow, that's really beautiful over there. I, I just want to think about it and, and meditate on it. And, but you never actually charge it. You never actually declare war against your circumstances. And there is a war that we're called to declare against our circumstances and against situations and against the storms. 
And there is this lie in Christianity that storms come from God. Okay? The storms of life come for many different reasons. Through people, through circumstances, sometimes through our own making. But we know from Scripture that God is good and He is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. No variableness, no shifting, no turning. He is good. And so, if God is good, God is good in spite of all the things we see and all the things that are going on, but it's His redemptive will He's trying to get us to challenge the status quo. So I want to reiterate again that faith is not just the passive holding on to God, you know, that says, well, I'm going through a tough time, but I, I thank God He's here with me. And all the while, the devil's just beating up on you and you're just taking it. <laughs> and there's a... There's so many things in life that God wants you to stand up, straighten your back, declare His Word and say, this shall not be this way anymore. I'm taking authority. I'm taking a stand. I'm talking to you, storm. Peace be still. Because those storms aren't sent from God. They're, they're sent from the enemy to steal the Word. You know, you know, the Word was sown in that parable of Mark 4, the sower sows the Word. And, and all of these things come to steal the fruitfulness of it. You know, cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches, lusts of other things, persecutions. The enemy comes to steal the word and he does it through what we see and what we hear. And just because you see it and you hear it doesn't mean you have to accept it. Facts are one level. Truth is another. Facts are substandard to the truth. The truth is there for your inspiration to overturn, change, override and manifest God's will in the facts. The facts are temporary. The truth is eternal. And, and as Christians, we're called to change facts to match His will. Okay? Facts are temporary. And I want to give one last example. Um, if you want, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to take a quick water break here. Hello, all those that are coming and going, and maybe if you see this later. Um, Hope you're blessed. Hope you're warm. <laughs> I'm staying in my house. I'm not leaving. So let's see. Praise God. <clears throat> Second Kings. Love you, Billy. Glad to see you. I, uh, hope you're doing well. And, and we miss you too. We miss your girls. And uh, all those that are watching, but uh, yeah, yeah, we love you guys. But uh, God is a God of, of you know, even if you make, st make mistakes, you can still, you can still switch. He's that, he's that good. Okay, he's that good to be able to, uh, to redirect. And I know he's taken my lemons and turned them into lemonade. Um, Okay, sometimes it'd be better not to have the lemons, but, but you know, you learn. And, and as a child grows, you know, they, they have to, they, they fumble, they fall, they, they hurt themselves, and, and you grow up. And part of the walk of faith, I'll just take a little side trail here, part of the walk of faith, I think, is, and I saw this picture earlier today when I was thinking about some of the mistakes I've made. And I made a big mistake just recently uh, that I'm not going to share on here. <laughs> It's nothing huge sin mistake. I've, I'm already forgiven, but but I like to think of it as that God is working with us. And you know, like when you look at, I watch some nature documentaries, and you can 
see how so many of God's creatures will take their young and put them in a almost like a natural nursery, whether it's a small pond or a, a, a safe place for them to grow, make mistakes, you know, and uh, I don't know, I don't have any good examples like that, but the you know, like frogs, they take their tadpoles and they, they find a separate pond that doesn't have a lot of pred predators to keep their children safe to get their legs underneath them. And, and I can see how God has done that with me. And uh, God has put, and if you follow him, he'll put you in a safe place to get your legs. <laughs> with tadpoles, that's particularly important. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. But he'll, he'll put you in a safe place to, to grow you up, to uh, ready you for life because... There's some big storms out there, and there's some there's some things that need conquering. There's things that need changing, and they're not small battles. They're big battles. They're fights. Uh, the devil, you know, he doesn't want to give up his rights to media. He doesn't want to give up his rights to wealth. There's strongholds that the enemy has in the earth that God wants to take, and those are fights. And and you can't send a child in with AK-47 and fight a war. And I'm using that as a, as a scriptural analogy. Spiritually speaking, there is a, a place of growth and development. And I know from my own personal walk, there have been stages where I have had to take steps. And I've seen he's got me in this almost kiddie pool in seasons of my life where I've learned in a safe place to make mistakes. Because there are places where it's not safe to make mistakes. But God is a better father uh, and a better teacher that maybe we are students. And so take trust that, that the Lord can still grow you up and give you a safe place to make mistakes. So, But that's a little side trail. Um, God is good in, in spite of our, our own mistakes and in spite of mistakes I've made as well. He is good. So, amen. Uh, I've given you plenty of time to go to Second Kings, and this is, this is where we'll end. Second um, Kings chapter 6. This is such a perfect um, analogy for faith and walking by faith. Uh, and I shared this on Thursday night. I think it was two weeks ago now. But Second um, Kings chapter 6, if you read the backstory, the king of Syria was basically making battle plans. And um, God would tell Elisha the plans, and then they would uh, he would warn everybody. <laughs> And so the king of Syria was not happy. He thought he had a spy, and um, and his servants were telling him, "Look, no, no, God is talking to this guy and giving away all of your intel. It's him. You need to follow. You know, you need to get." And so, this is what the king told uh, his servants, the king of Syria, the enemy of Israel. Okay, Second Kings chapter six, and he said, "Go and spy out where he, Elisha, is." that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. And therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. Okay, So where, where Elisha was staying was completely surrounded. The entire city, every border, every road was guarded. The city was encompassed by the army of the king of Syria. Okay. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early, okay, that was Elisha's servant, and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots, and, it, and, it, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Now, this is almost 
precisely the same response that the disciples had with Jesus when they were in that boat and they were about ready to drown and die. And they said, wake up, we're going to die, you know. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, and I want, I want to be like this, okay. I don't, I don't want to be like this servant. And, and if there's a type in shadow here, when I was reading through this, the servant is much like uh, your flesh, okay. And whatever part of your soul is not transformed to the mind of God, okay. The servant here is these and these. And this, what you get from the input of your senses upon your mind and your intellect goes to war against who God says you are, goes to war with God's word for you. And it's, it's a fight. And this is, this is what I believe Hebrews is talking about. It is what Hebrews is talking about. Because he says, lest you fall off to the same example of unbelief, let us labor to enter into this rest, lest you fall to this example of unbelief. So we, we have to fight this. And it's a real work. It's not a work of our hands. It's not a work of effort, but it's a work on the inside that it's a real fight. It is a real fight to go after and try and dismiss and override what you're seeing and what you're hearing. And there's been fights that we've had that we've lost. I'm just going to be real straight with you. Not everything in the walk of God is hunky-dory perfect. Let me be more plain, okay? Just because it's God's will, we know from Scripture, doesn't mean it happens. And there have been plenty of things in my life that were precisely God's will, that the war came to my mind through my eyes and my ears, and I lost the war. I lost the battle precisely because I believe this and this instead of this. That's, it's not about what God's will is. God's will is the same all the time. What's good? I want to overcome those storms. I want to overcome those challenges. I want to do about good, healing all those that are pressed of the devil. So it's the devil that he's trying to fight. And it's, it's this flesh man that doesn't want to agree. Okay, So this servant is a perfect illustration of that part of you. That's that part of you. Those are the disciples that <laughs> wake up, we're going to die. Okay. Oh, so we'll read it again. Verse 16. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, with your eyes, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And a servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Can you feel the fear? I mean, I'd be afraid if you know that that's the natural thing. If you're going to die, you know, they have you surrounded. And he answered, if there, this is your spirit, this is who you are in Christ, and this is the will of God, this is how I want to approach every situation the way that Elisha approached this situation, okay? He said, fear not. What, do you, what does it take to fear not? I guarantee it takes a fight with what's going on in here. It's a labor to enter into rest. It is a fight to overcome what's going on that's coming through your eyes and ears, okay? Fear not, for they that be with us are more than be with them. Now, if you're standing there next to Elisha, and you're just using these, and you're using these, you're going to say, uh, you're crazy. I'm running for my life. But he had different eyes. He had eyes that saw by the Spirit. And we walk by faith, not by sight. What 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 is faith? Again, faith is not just swallowing reality that comes to you. Faith is contending for what God says His will is in your life. 
Okay? There's a difference. It's not just holding on to God and hoping for the best. No, faith fights for God's will. Okay? That's what I want to define faith as. Lord, I pray thee. Okay? He said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when he came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Now, there's so much good imagery here. Uh, there's so much that you could just go off on tangents about all this, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just... I just want to um, encourage you that faith is a fight and it's okay that you lose some, but don't stay down, okay? God's will, and I believe we're in the, you know, maybe some of us are in the kiddie pool stages, maybe some of us are in the open water stages, but wherever you are, the fights that come to your doorstep, God wants to help you beat them and 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 really faith is not just about holding on but it's about fighting and so take his word know his promises redeem the time and set your affection on things above not on things of this earth because the more you start to yield to who he says you are and what you see by the spirit you're going to be able to have that same reaction that elisha had that says i don't I don't care that the whole host is out there to get me and I'm just standing here. There's more with me with God than be with them. That is faith. And it takes that kind of tenacity and it takes that kind of fight. And if you're God's son or daughter, you already have the capacity on the inside of you to fight those battles. But it does it is a fight and you do play a part in the victory or the defeat. Okay? And that fight is faith. Mix faith with the word and you'll receive the promises. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad for all of you that joined with me. And for those of you that maybe were here later and didn't hear at the beginning, I'll just reiterate that uh, I'm very excited. I've been wanting to announce it for two weeks. And we haven't had service, but Nathan Varble will be back again with us. And that is going to be March um, 28th through the 31st, Thursday through Sunday. So we'll probably do the same format we've done in, in years past. We're going to have a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning service. But we'll have more details to come on that. And uh, I'm just going to check, see if there's any interactions. Hi, Mom. Thank you. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you, Billy, Marilyn. Love having you with us. Ron. Ashley. Curtis. Linda. Lynette. Wonderful. So great to see you guys. And uh, as always, we're going to have Thursday night service. So uh, God forbid we have another storm next Sunday. But if you really want to, there's church. There's Wednesday night prayer. And there's Thursday night at 7 o'clock. And uh, we've been able to make those meetings happen. So anyway, until we see each other again, love you all and be encouraged. Blessings. <laughs>